Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. You know, I was listening to a podcast this week. It's something I do. Like I, I, I'm spending a little time out on the road riding my bike, right? I'm, I'm out riding my bike because I'm supposed to. Um, they tell me I'm supposed to exercise, so I am. And so I'm out riding my bike. And, you know, the first times I've ridden my bike on the street this year, um, you know, I've been riding through the winter, you know, after having a heart attack, all the thing, I, I, I'm riding my bike on my rollers, right? There's no wind. It's flat. Okay, there's no hills. I now ride my bike in the hills on the street, and I thought this is going to be so much fun. Until I start riding hills again, I'm like, oh, man, people told me Kansas was flat, all right? <laughs> and I, I've lived here long enough, I know, but I, you know, I live on the hills, and, and so I have to ride hills no matter what I do, unless I put my bike on my van and take it someplace, then I can ride flat ground, but if I ride away from my house... I've got to climb an ugly hill to get home. That is not what this was about. Okay, but while I'm riding my bike now, and even before, is I will put in my headphones, usually just one in my right ear, and I will listen to podcasts as I'm riding. Well, as I was listening to one this past week, there was a question that was asked, and it kind of like just kind of hit me, right? Because, you know, sometimes things like this hit you because of life circumstances. And the question that was asked was, what are you known for? Then they told a story on this podcast. The guy telling the story, he was telling about a friend who had passed away. And at the funeral, they're talking about just telling stories. And it became storytelling time about stories about this friend. And this friend was relatively young that passed away. And they were telling stories about this friend and he was like, you know, one time I was moving. And he said, look, you don't like moving your own stuff. Let alone helping somebody else move, right? <laughs> you know where your real friends are when you start to move because they're going to show up and help you. Everybody else, you know, they're like, you know, I think there's a soccer league that started... And I've found some neighbor kids. I'm just going to take them to it because I'd rather take them to the soccer league than help you move. They're not going to really tell you that, but that's what they're going to do. Well, he said this one friend, this one friend, like, called him up and said, hey, I'd like to come help you, but my car's in the shop and I, I can't get over to help you. And he's like, well, you know, my car's at my old place and if you can get over there, then you could, the keys are in it, you could just drive it over and help. Starts raining and thundering and lightning and all that stuff, and, and the friend still gets out an umbrella and walks miles to his house to get the car, drive over to help. See, that's a real friend. They're telling those stories about them, and, and it was a person who loved people and served them. And it got to me to thinking, 
and on a bike, you've got a lot of time to think, right? Because you're riding, just listening, and you're not going crazy fast. It's not like you've got to worry about, you know, what you're going to do at the next inter- intersection. You just get the ride. And it got me to thinking, when people think about me, what do they think about? What am I going to be remembered for? When, when my days on this planet are over, what are people going to say? And I realize I'm writing that story right now. My kids are going to remember me for certain things. What are they going to remember me for? I hope they remember me because I love Jesus and I showed them Jesus. But I'm writing that story right now. The people that I meet in our community, different places, what would they know me for? Would they know me as a person who cared and loved God and loved them as people? One of my favorite television shows back in the 90s was a thing called Home Improvement. Okay? I like to laugh. I don't like serious stuff often when I'm, you know, I'm going to kick back and I want to laugh. I want to I want to enjoy it. I, you know, I, I don't want to be scared either, okay? So, like, I don't want to be... So I want to laugh. And that was really clean. It was really good. And there was a guy in the show, you know, Tim Allen hosted, you know, Tim Toomet Taylor, that whole thing. You know, his neighbor was known for something. His name was Wilson, right? Wilson was known for what? We never got to see his face, right? I mean, his face is always behind a fence. It was always... You know, and, and they'd have these great conversations across the fence, but you never really knew what Wilson looked like until the end, the last episode. At the last episode, they take down the fence between Tim Taylor's house and Wilson's house. You know, that's where God wants every one of us in our lives right now. Practically. We need to tear down the fences between us and the people around us so that we can share the love of Christ with them. Look, I think it's an area that all of us could do better. Look, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? And the question that led up to Jesus telling that story. We've been focusing on the great commandment. And you see the title, Are You My Neighbor? Well, Luke 10, 25, and we've read it before, we're going to read it again. But one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. Not only do we see this played out in the story of the Good Samaritan, 
fences being torn down. But it happens over and over again in the Bible. Throughout the scriptures we see it. And there's this story in the Old Testament about two women. The first one was Ruth and who was a widow. And the second is her mother-in-law, Naomi. Naomi was a Jewish woman who had moved to the land of Moab when Judah was going through this significant drought. She moved there with her two sons and her husband. Her husband. But while they're in Moab, her sons married Moabite women. They lived there for ten years. But over that time, Naomi's husband and sons died. So Naomi decided to go back to Judah. There was nobody there in Moab that was going to care for her. So she's thinking, I'll go back to, to Judah where my family lives and somebody, hopefully, will help out this poor widow woman. So she tells her daughter-in-laws that they should move back to their families and they should go back to their stuff. And, and so in Ruth chapter 1, we read this, verse 14. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Look, that's commitment, right? I mean, I mean that's commitment. I think people in our culture, people in our community are looking for people who will care enough even when things don't go well. People want to know that we will celebrate with them, but we'll cry with them. Everything about Ruth's response makes me want to be better. Like, I want to be known like that, right? I want to be known that in the midst of whatever circumstances, I, that, that, that people would remember me for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. I'm convinced that people will come to faith in Christ, when they see Christians, followers of Jesus, who are just as faithful as the Christ whose name they bear. You look in the second chapter of, of Ruth, we are introduced to Boaz, and Boaz was a wealthy man and a relative of Ruth's late father-in-law. Ruth goes to work picking up leftover grain in Boaz's field, which, which was legal. In fact, it was commanded in, in Deuteronomy 24 this way. In verse 19, it says, when, when you are harvesting your crops and forget to bring in a bundle of grain for your field, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners and orphans and widows. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. Now I want to time out right there. Just pause right there for this moment. Because this verse is incredibly meaningful to me. Like, it, it gives me lots of hope. All right, some of you will get this. Some of you will be like, I don't understand. But okay, I get this. Like, look, when you're out harvesting, and it says you, 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 miss, you forget something or you miss a little, don't worry. But it doesn't say that. It says if you are out harvesting your crops and you forget to bring in a bundle of grain. Like, I'm thinking bundle, like big, right? right? 
how do you forget that? I know, teenagers, forget it, right? They could forget that. I mean, they would be like, oh, I didn't see it, right? Possible. If you're a teenager, I apologize. I was one, and I, I have great hope here, okay? Look, great hope with this. Like, okay, look, look. It goes on and says, if you forget it, then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do, okay? God can work through my forgetfulness. For those of you that just like are like, oh, well, I forgot it. God can work through that. Okay, that's really cool to me. That's, 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 a, that's a great thought. Sorry, that's just, just a little bit of a, like, see, the scriptures are so encouraging to people like me that don't have it all together, that, that are not perfect, that are forgetful. I am so thankful that even God in that moment, well, he commanded them, if they forgot it, to leave it. But, but it goes on from there. When you beat the olives from your olive trees, don't go over the boughs twice. Leave the remaining olives for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. When you gather the grapes in your vineyard, don't glean the vines after they are picked. Leave the remaining grapes for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. Remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. That is why I'm giving you this command. Now, now think about that for just a moment. God says, all right, in your forgetfulness, I will bless you. And even when you, you're done, purposefully leave stuff. For the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. Because they're your neighbors. Because I care about them. Because you need to. And so the, the Israelites were required to do this to help the people like Ruth and Naomi. Both being widows, but also for orphans and foreigners. So Boaz takes note of her and tells her to take what she needs from his field, and that he would take care of whatever she needed. And, and Ruth's response to that in verse 10 of chapter 2, says, Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Now I want you to think about that for just a moment. Think about, okay, wait, what do I want to be known for? Ruth was known for. Somehow word gets back to, to Bethlehem as she's there and she's moved there and people are telling the story because they're looking at her going, who is that? Who? And that's Boaz. Boaz is like, who is that in that field? In my field, who is that? And they tell, him, they tell him who she is. And he says, I've heard about what you've done. Like, I've heard that you, you've done this for your mother-in-law. You, you could have just stayed with your people. You, you could have just, just forgotten. Or you could have said, well, kick her aside. Let's go find something else. She, no, you made a commitment. You stuck with her. And you've done incredible things for her. She was known for that. And because of that, Boaz takes note of it. She was being talked about. Boaz takes note. You never know what God is going to do through one, your faithfulness, one, one your, your commitments, 
Because sometimes it's so easy to give up it in the short term. And see, Ruth had this commitment, like, I don't care. Wherever you go, I'm going. Whatever you do, I'm going to do. I'm going to stick with you until you die. And then I'm going to die in the same land that you die in because I'm committed to you. Like, that's pretty powerful. And I realize we're talking about, are you my neighbor? But we actually need that kind of commitment with our neighbors, not just with our family. In that time, to carry on the, the family name, the, the, a widow would, would have a kinsman redeemer. I know it's a little weird, right? Like today, we would, like, we, we would just take care of people. We're not going to marry them, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, like if there's widows and we're like, uh, wait, you know, okay. You know, we're not going to take multiple wives. Okay, let's get that on the table. It's just one. Who knows? Okay? Singular. All right, that's... That's it. So it's a little crazy here. I mean, you know, like it's just there. I mean, it's in the scriptures. I got it, you know. But the kinsman redeemer is a relative that would marry the widow so their late husband would have an heir. And to make a long story short, Boaz is the kinsman redeemer, but he wasn't the closest relative, he was second in line. So the other man would, would have to like turn down the opportunity to redeem Ruth and their land. And the land came with the person. So, so Boaz assembles the people of the town, again, Bethlehem probably, and the unnamed kinsman redeemer, and he asks if he will redeem the land, conveniently leaving out Ruth as part of the conversation. Uh, so the redeemer says, yeah, I'll, I'll do it, because it's convenient, and it's I guess some more territory. Sweet. Then Boaz told them in Ruth 4, 5, of course your purchase of the land from Naomi will require that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Oh, then I can't do it. I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. So Boaz commits to redeem the land and Ruth and Ruth and Boaz marry, and they have a son named Obed. And I know this is like pretty crazy, right? Interesting enough, that unnamed kinsman redeemer does what a lot of us do, right? We decide that commitment of neighboring isn't convenient. It takes too much of our time. Too much of our TV time, Netflix time, too much of our energy, Xbox time. I don't know. It's uncomfortable. But also, some of us don't even know our neighbor's like name or even know them. Now, we talked about something this week in our preaching uh, meeting, and we were going to do something that I kind of jotted out on the bottom of the bulletin. So if you have a bulletin with you, I just want you to pull that out for a minute, and there's pens in front of you. So, so I want you to just kind of grab a pen, and I want you to um, draw six boxes on the bottom of your bulletin. Just, just Look, we affectionately name this uh, the sheet of shame. Okay, so no, no offense, we're not picking on anybody. In fact, I'm picking on myself as well as I do this. So, so I want you to draw six boxes, and then you, you in the bottom box in the middle, just put me, okay? And then I want you to look at those boxes around that, and I want you to think about your neighbor's names. 
And I know some of you, you know, like live like miles from your neighbors, right? I mean, you're like, you can't even see them. You're like, oh, mice, who are you? I don't know. That makes it a little difficult, but we're not going to be limited to this completely. But I want to point something out to you for just a moment. Like, I, I could have cheated. I knew what I was doing, but I could have cheated on this. But you see my boxes up there. Like, I know my neighbor's names. Two of them. Now, I got excuses, right? We all got them. I live on Wanamaker. Like, those other three houses across the street, that's dangerous. <laughs> I mean, there's certain times of day you don't be on that street. 7.30 in the morning. Kids are driving to school. My life is in your hands at that point, right? I mean, it's scary. So I want you to think about your neighbors. Who are your neighbors? Do you know their names? One's next to us. We know them, sort of. We don't know them well enough. Uh, Angela knows them better than I do. She uh, worked with one of works or worked with one of our neighbors, so yeah, we, we you know, she knows her, um, but I don't, and the people next to me, the, those houses have sold multiple times, and they've sold recently, okay, so, like, I mostly only know my neighbor's cars, <laughs> I don't know my neighbor's, I know their car. The one neighbor is a really loud one, revs it up every morning, seems like, and in fact, Angela works with Renee, and she says, oh, I'm so sorry about my son's car, and you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, you'll hear him working on a thing, and so he works on it all the time. I know that about my neighbors, but I don't necessarily know their name. Now, there's other places that I'm pretty good at names, and know some neighbors. But physical neighbors aren't the only ones. Like, if you know your neighbor's names, that's good. That's a starting point, right? That's not all we're asking here. And that's not all God is asking. He doesn't want you just to know your neighbor's names. He doesn't just want you to know your co-workers' names. He doesn't want you just to know things about your neighbors. He doesn't want you just to know something about your co-workers or students in school. He, he doesn't want you just to know people in your school. He wants you to know your people in your school. He wants you to know your neighbors' names so that you can get involved with your neighbors, so that you can connect with your neighbors, so you can love your neighbors. Look, some of you have, have kids that play sports, right? And, and like when you show up at a sports activity, whatever it is, We tend to be creatures of habit, right? Some of you sit in the same seat every single week. So I know you're creatures of habit. You go the same places all the time. Some of you shop at the same time every single week. You have a routine. You go a certain place every single time you do it, right? You show up like Dylan's nose. Okay, let's be honest. I won't pick on you. I'll pick on me for a moment. I now walk into a place called Starbucks. 
Okay, bad press recently. They've had a rough deal. Okay, they they've done some, but but they're going to close down for one whole afternoon to train their employees because they messed up big time in one of their stores. They were not being very neighborly, right? But I walk into Starbucks now, and there's some of the people there who call me by name. Look, that's either a sign of an addiction or a habit. Some of you, now one of the benefits of Starbucks is they ask you for your name. So when you walk back in there, their company policy is to know names. They want their people to know names. Their baristas are instructed to do that. Now, what if the places you go on a regular basis, you knew the names of the people that you're interacting with? Look, somebody first service, they would go to Sonic every Sunday morning on their way to church to get a Diet Coke. That's interesting. She's retired. But she was giving up Diet Coke and wasn't drinking as much. But she kept going to Sonic on Sunday morning because of one employee at Sonic that she developed a relationship with, that she was praying for, that she was sharing Christ with. Look, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's being a neighbor, like getting involved and getting to the point that we know the people's names because when we know their names, but that's not where it stops. Look, loving a neighbor looks like knowing their name, but their histories and their hurts and their pains. Loving our neighbor looks like praying for them recognizing their gifts and encouraging them. Loving our neighbor is inviting our neighbors over for meals, throwing block parties, and playing together. Being a good neighbor is helping single parents raise kids. Maybe watching them once in a while just so they can get a night to themselves. It's taking care of somebody when they get sick. It's encouraging one another to pursue God's dreams for their lives. It's comforting one another when we suffer losses. And here's something you might not ever see. You might not ever see what your neighbors become. See, some of the things that you do for them, you may never see the end result. You might not actually see the end result of your neighboring. You, you, you may have to do this just by faith. You may just have to be involved in their lives, just believing God is going to use you to do something great in their lives. And not, and, and not to have a, a, like, a, okay, I'm doing this because I want to see them come to Jesus. Yes, I want to see them come to Jesus, but I'm going to love them because that's what I'm supposed to do. See, Jesus doesn't give us a command to say, love your neighbor so they come to Jesus. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus came to this earth for, for us 
and honestly, he came to everybody, whether they believe in him or not, whether they decide to follow him or not, he, he came in love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? So, so while we were his enemies, he dies for us. We ought to love our neighbors because they're our neighbors. Look, look at the first chapter of Matthew. Now, this is going to get really crazy for just a moment, okay? Look at the first chapter of Matthew. And if those of you who know Matthew chapter 1 well, you know it contains a really exciting passage of Scripture called the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew chapter 1 verse 5 says, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. Now I want you to see, there's just a couple foreigners that end up in this line of David who become the genealogy of Jesus, and it happens because of neighboring. Okay, now I want you to bear with me for just a moment. Rahab is the hero of Jericho. She is the person who who helps the spies, right? You know, some of you know the story, and, and you see this, and, and so God is using, but you don't know what this is going to become. You, they, they don't know that, that Rahab, and Rahab doesn't know that she's going to become part of this. <laughs> Excuse me. Look, Boaz wouldn't have existed if it wasn't Rahab. Obed wouldn't have existed without Ruth and Boaz. We see the story of God because of a commitment in some ways of Ruth that says wherever you go I will go. Wherever you live I will live. Your people will be my people. and Your God will be my God. Wherever you die I will die and there I will be buried. We need that kind of fierce loyalty to our neighbors co-workers, our friends. I, I believe that we need to care so deeply that I refuse to let go through this life. I'm not going to let go. Look, the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan is only known, I know it's a story, right? I get it, Jesus tells the story, but the Good Samaritan is only known because he loved his neighbor. Now I realize, he even knows his neighbor's name at first. He was his neighbor because of proximity. He was his neighbor because of an encounter. Ruth and Boaz are known only because they love the people around them. Ruth loved her mother-in-law. Boaz loved Ruth. So here's the challenge of this whole series. Right? I mean, it starts with Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Foundation points. Look, everything else that we do has to come from there. If it doesn't come from a love of God, then we're just doing good stuff. You've got to start with a love for God. Love your neighbors yourself. You get to know your neighbors. Start to pray for your neighbors. Do something for your neighbors. If you're looking for something really, really practical, to be involved in. Pastor Mike mentioned it in the announcements. But this Friday, look, it's a little more distant. It's a little more like, like not as close of a neighboring situation, but we've made a commitment as a church to, to impact an elementary school and be neighbors to an, to an elementary school. Now, we actually have teachers that work there and all that stuff, but, 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 but with that, 
we decided to do a fun night for the families of that school. And so from 537, we're going to invest in that school and those families. We're going to set up inflatables. Many of you are looking for a really good workout. I could use some help, potentially. Okay? I mean, they only weigh three, 400 pounds apiece. Um, so getting them out of the trailer is really easy. Back in the trailer is the tough part. Um, so if you could help out, it'd be really cool. We're going to set them up and run them and, you know, bounce house in an obstacle course. And we're going to put those, and, and we're going to feed them dinner and cupcake walk. And I don't know what all kinds of other stuff Donnie's got planned. But, but really, we're just doing this to serve our community and to bless them. But we don't know what's going to happen. Here's what we're planning, though. We're just planning that by us being in proximity to people, that they'll become our neighbors and we'll show them the love of Christ during that time. This isn't just like, let's go have a fun time. Look, for us serving, it's not going to rate up there like, let's kick back in the recliner and watch Netflix. Okay? That's not what it's going to be. But at the end of it, it will be highly rewarding. That's what happens when we get involved with our neighbors, is you will do some stuff that may take some energy, but then you will see God at work. I could go through a list. Uh, you know, here's the T for royal family. I don't know where Ron is at on workers and all that stuff, but here's what I'm saying to you. When you talk about royal family, like you're going into a moment where you're putting yourself in proximity with, with kids that are in the foster care system and, and you're saying, okay, I'm going to make a difference in this kid's life for one week. And you do it by faith, believing that God is going to do something great in their lives for the rest of their life. Like you, you just say, okay, God, can this moment, can these, this, this time do something so powerful in this kid's life that their trajectory for their life will be changed? That's why you do it. That's why you get involved in those things. Why you, but, but that's also why you do it on a small level at any chance you get. Like there are, like all our youth leaders um, do youth ministry on Wednesday nights here. They tend to go out to the same restaurant every Wednesday night after youth and they sit in the same seats that they sit in every single week to get the same waitress every single week have an impact on her life. They tip her really, really good. They're kind throughout the time frame. And they're trying to make a difference because they've already seen it happen in one. So they just believe they can do it again. And so we get purposeful for these things. Then we can, that's what being a neighbor is. It's seeing every person we encounter as loved by God should be loved by us and we're going to make a difference. Just believing that the power of Christ in us is going to have an overflow effect and an impact in their world. So the answer to the question, are you my neighbor? Is yes. Everyone is your neighbor. Yes. So when you walk into any place in this city, are you my neighbor? Yes. Are you my neighbor? Yes. So, 
I'm going to love my neighbor. When I have a waitress in a restaurant that treats me poorly, gives me terrible service, what am I going to do? I'm going to flip the table up and walk out. I'm going to love my neighbor because they're my neighbor. That's a different response, right? I mean, like flipping the table would be fun once. You're probably going to get something. But love your neighbor as yourself. It's a challenge for all of us. Every single situation we run into, love your neighbor. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the examples that we find in Scripture that we can learn and we can grow. Lord, I'm asking in my life, God, what am I going to be known for? Lord, my prayer is that I'll be known for loving my neighbor that I'll be known for loving God. That that's what I'll be known for. Whether it's people that I live with, or it's people that I, I go to church with, or it's people that I meet on the streets, or at an elementary school, or in a bowling alley, I'll be known as someone who loved God and loved my neighbor. I love people. God, help me to live out these practical things. Do something practical to love my physical neighbors, the people who live around me. But Lord, help me to love those who are proximity neighbors, people that I come in contact with throughout my week. Lord, I pray, open my eyes that I can see. And Lord, open our eyes so we can see the people you've placed around us that we could have an impact on their lives, showing them the love of Christ. Lord, thank you for loving us. for becoming our neighbor, for stepping out of heaven and moving close to us so we could come close to you. Lord, thank you. For giving your life for us to make this all possible. Lord, thank you. Jesus' name.